What's up, fam? Welcome to the Flow State Outdoors podcast. And I just can't live without you. That's fine. What do you mean? That's fine, dude. He was fine. Listen to me. Every time. <laughs> this podcast is brought to you by Hustle & Grind Coffee Co., Rod Armour, Evertread, and castmag.co. Queensland and now, man. Yeah. Um, residential addresses in Douglas. <laughs> Fucking Mexicans. <laughs> Where are you from? <laughs> Queensland. Queensland. <laughs> yeah, you no. shit on every other state other than Queensland. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe sometimes, like, you're nice to um, the NT. That's about it. Yeah. <laughs> I like the NT. Yeah. Have you signed up there? Yeah, yeah, Buffalo. Yeah. We've been live for a bit, by the way. Oh, oh we've <laughs> <laughs> So, um, yeah, so you have signed up there. Yeah. Last year. Um, Oh, Aiden went two years ago and I went last year and we went and hunt buffalo. Um, and yeah, it's, it's beautiful over there. Like the whole environment is, is insane and the, the endless possibilities of hunting um, and the, like the, the pure land mass that you have access to. Yeah, just hunting like arm land and stuff? Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd have been sick. So yeah, we had um, traditional elders there with us hunting and stuff. So yep. that was a really cool experience and just sitting back and sort of listening to their stories and um, their family's traditions and whatnot um, yeah. sort of really connects you. So you, you hunted with like local people. Yeah. yeah so we to to get act like to to have legal access over there. We were hunting there with a guide. Yep. Um. So yeah, to get oh, to get legal access there, you, you need to have TA a traditional yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Um. But yeah, it was um. Yeah, that was a really great experience, and and just purely hunting, um, you know, like a water buffalo with a bow and arrow. Yeah. Is so they're fucking big. Actually. Oh, like, huge. I had a few run-ins. Like I used to hunt pigs and stuff with yeah. dog, with dogs and shit. Yeah. And had a few wild run-ins with Big Buffet. Yeah. They're sketchy. A mate of mine got, while I was up there, I wasn't on the trip, but he got his dog, like, opened up the front of its chest. Like wow. a, a big bull buff did. Yeah, right. Mm. Ripped, yeah. Its, ripped his chest plate off, the dog's chest plate off, and yeah. opened up his chest. Lived. Oh, wow, so, okay. Oh, fucking scary. Have you seen people throw coins at them? No. no, but I've heard, and yeah. apparently they've, they've got such good sort of assessment as to where their horns yeah. start and finish that they can hit them in mid-air. 20, 20 cent coins, like people, there's like videos floating around of people, not many, but flicking like 20 cent coins at bull buffs yeah. and pens and they're like knocking them with the tips of their mm. horns. I believe it, like it's, yeah, right. when you said like have you seen them and how big they are and stuff, yeah. they're pretty intimidating at first because you just see this massive animal that's yeah. huge and they've got this like way of just st- <laughs> just want to be closer <laughs> they've got this way of just like staring into your soul and they'll yeah. just like without sort of breaking pause they'll just like look at you and maintain that eye contact and they're sort of wondering what you are because where they are it's yeah. obviously so remote that they don't know what a human is Yeah. Um, and then yeah it's just amazing that you've got to sort of maintain your composure and everything and then um, obviously like yeah, yeah. It's, be able to sneak in when you're what 30 foot Away? Yeah, something yeah, like 30, that. 30 yeah. meters. That's, that's, okay. that's, oh, 30 yeah. meters, yeah, right. That's fucking heavy, man. Mm. Like, that's that's very close to death. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. You know well, what I mean? Like, it turned to shit pretty quick. Oh, that's it. Like, flicking the switch and they're, yeah. like, on you. Like, pigs or something like, might fuck you up, mm. but a buff would most oh, likely they do wanna, permanent damage. Yeah. Or Having you seen up. them, like, fight <laughs> and the way that they clash yep. horns and stuff, it's like a sonic boom. When they're real rolled up, like, yeah, and like, have you seen them in like rut and stuff? Like, yeah, I've yeah, seen yeah, two right. big bulls fighting, yeah. and like, yeah, they hit heads like on their yeah. base plates, and it was just like, yeah, sonic boom. It was massive. Oh, it's like two semi trucks, just like, and yeah. they're pretty cruisy when they're walking around, sort of just like you know, like they're and going back to their horns, how they're so big. Um, they're no for such a big animal, like they some of them probably weigh a ton. They're pretty quiet cruising through yeah. the bush. Like they actually like don't knock over every tree like you'd nah. think they would. Nah. But then they turn that switch and when they want to kill each other and fight, yeah. they're just like yeah, yep. crazy. And it's amazing how quick they actually can. And move. equally, if they want to get somewhere quick, it's just like everything just parks. <laughs> like, everything just, see, just fucking moves. Oh, you see saplings yeah. that are like five inches across, just like just like <laughs> oh, just disappear. Like, yep. you know, yeah. Um, well, you get them um, like when we used to. So hunt with dogs and stuff and you'd get a pig like in a swamp or um, just like up on a bit of high ground of a night time and um, you'd go run to the pig, kill it and whatever, look up with your head torch and there's like a bazillion eyes of like <laughs> buffalo, like they've all just come into the noise yeah. and they're just sitting there looking at you and they're not like, they're, it's pretty safe but mm. they like 
fuck, it's fucking eerie. Yeah, oh, for sure. Because they're huge. Yeah. What's the thing? It's and they are curious. That's like, they're yeah, very yeah. like in terms of big game hunting goes. Like, there's a lot of stories out there about um, buffalo sort of being. You know the really dangerous one, and yeah. the other ones. But it's like scrubbles, hundred percent is is what's gonna. <laughs> They're fucked up. Oh, well, especially like reason. with the bow. So um, they're like the bull sharks of the diving. <laughs> Literally, yeah. like they just if they like up. it's not. Yeah, so a bit of a story. Like I um when I was hunting, so big country safaris was who we went with, and when we were hunting with them, um, we were with one of their guides, and yeah, we stalked in, had this like really sick scrubble, and um. Yeah, it was stalking him and at first he was he was about 60 metres away sort of feeding on like an angle which would have led him to like go past me at about 25 metres, mm. um, which with the bow you've got to be pretty close. But yeah, at about 60 metres out he just changed angles and pretty much just started like feeding straight towards me and I had like no cover anywhere around me. And so this buff, uh, sorry, this, bull, this scrub bull is just like pretty much walking straight in and then I've knelt down in the grass which is sort of like knee high because I'm like, well, at least I can sort of lower my profile. Yeah. And then he's just like continued to walk straight up to me um, and pretty much walked into about 15 metres and like the Aiden's videoing off to the side about 50 metres away and he's got, we had like a backup rifle. Yeah. But, you know. It was pretty funny because oh. like I had utmost confidence that James was fine. Like with the bow, we're trying to obviously maintain like yeah. this um, sort of, you know, we're not, we don't want to be um, seen obviously and we're just part yeah. of the environment. Yeah. Um, and I had the guy with the rifle behind me saying, should I shoot it? Should I shoot it? Should I shoot it? I'm like, no, do not shoot it. Because then that scrubble is going to know that James. something is wrong. Yeah. Like he's facing Barreling, 10 yep. metres away and looking straight at James. Yeah. So, yeah, That's, he just yeah. held true and was all good. <laughs> and he just like walked in there until about 15 metres and just yep. like looking at me and I'm like, Oh, please don't eat me. I like, bet you please. wouldn't have been able to pass like a breath of wind through your asshole, man. Oh. Like, <laughs> dilate. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, if there is a God, <laughs> please help me right yeah. now. But that's what you sort of do it for, hey? Like that oh, rush. Oh, that rush, yeah, yeah, for sure. Even like getting in on Buffalo, like we, um, there was a few times that we were like not circled as such, but um, just had like young bulls that were like really inquisitive um, come in and, you know, like there, there'd be four or five bulls at 50 metres just sort of, looking at us and, you know, kicking up dust and stuff. And they're not, yeah. they're sort of, they're not saying, oh, I'm going to come hurt you. Like they're, yeah. they're sort of being inquisitive and sort of trying to show their dominance and yeah. stuff. But then you take two steps forward towards yeah. them and they, they run two steps back. Yeah. Like they're not, they're just equally scared, but it's, it's pretty cool experience. Yeah, like, definitely. Um, just having something so powerful that, yeah, it could do a lot of harm if it wanted to. Yeah, well, I um I listened to a Joe Rogan podcast when he podcast Adam Greentree. Yeah. And he was talking about the trip he did to Arnhem Land. Yeah. Like no food and shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Living out yeah. of yeah. backpack. Is it as yeah. a, sort of what you you both did? We, oh, you can go. We were fortunate enough to have a car, like drive us in, and had like a bit of a base camp, and then just went from there every day. Yeah. Um, but next time we go, we're thinking of doing the least that this uh, big country safaris has is like a yep. hundred kilometers, like expanse of just yep. remote bushland. <coughs> so we're basically hoping that next time we can sort of get dropped off with a helicopter have just everything that we need on our backs and yeah. then hunt and be able to take whatever meat and just, you know, live for That'd potentially yeah. a week to 10 week, days yeah. and walk that stretch of creek all the way down to the where we get yep. picked up eventually. So yeah, that sounds fun. for us, that's What's, like yeah. the goal, I think. And it's pretty, it would yeah. be pretty cool. Um, so so walk, walk to a pickup spot. So yeah, so get dropped much. up, whatever, yeah. and then get picked up, wherever. Well, yeah, it. so we've done that type, like that type of backpack hunting where you're literally carrying your whole life on your shoulders a couple of times in New Zealand, um, which is, you know, just incredible yeah. to know how little you can sort of survive and live off for like quite an extended period yeah. of time. Um, I guess with New, uh, doing New Zealand, like the biggest thing is like you've got to have a lot of extra gear for like, you know, just the mountains and surviving in like heavy rain and all that type of stuff. Yep. Whereas with New Z um, with the NT, like your gear is probably more like ultra lightweight and sort of like hammock style because, yeah, you know, like- it's fucking hot. Oh, like <laughs> you're it's not so, gonna freeze you know, you're not going to freeze to death. Like even if it starts pissing rain, like it's going to be like 25 degrees yeah. and the humidity is 100%. So you're probably yep. like sweating. Yeah. Um, you know, and then, um, but yeah, like it should be like a really cool experience. And, and just the endless amounts of wildlife and stuff that you see on those yeah. type of walks because you're going into places that- very few human like it's sort of one of the last spots in Australia really that like is untapped, sort of untouched you know like obviously people do get in there like I'm not going to say I'm going to be the first human walk in these spots but nah. it's like it's very very remote you like, feel you feel alone or you feel like you're like a point yeah out. and it's but that's, yeah. once you start doing those type of hunts and even like you know hikes and stuff like you sort of get addicted to it like being mm. knowing that you're you might be the only human being for like 50 k's yeah you know what I mean like 
Yeah, especially like even like like further east, um, like Eastern Island land and mm. even Central Island land. And towards the south, it's a bit more like the locals there don't really like white people that much. But um, towards the coast more, like it's proper and remote, eh? Like yeah, yeah. You get yeah. bit by a snake or something there, you're fucked. Yeah, oh, yeah. Well, for us, it was like a seven-hour drive. So we landed in uh, Darwin, drove down to Catherine, yeah. packed all our gear for the oh, next So you like, went to the week. bottom end? Yeah, and then yeah, okay. cruised all the way down and back around. And that took like over seven hours of like yep. wheel clearing tracks and stuff by the end of it. And that was because we were the first people back in there for that year. Yeah. Um, but... You know, you set up camp and then you're waking up every morning with wild dogs and dingoes mm. howling and then you've got buffalo roaming through camp. Like yep. it's yeah. proper remote, pigs yeah. wallowing in the creek like yeah. 50 metres away where you're getting your water every morning. Yep. Um, yeah. Like it really is just yep. sort of – it puts into perspective just how sort of out there you are. Yeah. Um, like none of these animals sort of know yeah. what a human is. Um, and, it, yeah, it's like – Does it make a – like are they still – someone just pull over the front. Um, are they still like spooky? They are because the second they smell human, like you've got to still obviously hunt like downwind and make yeah, sure. Yeah, still that, do all the proper yeah. shit. But it's more like with buff in general, I've sort of got the sense that they're quite uh, like inquisitive. Like yep. they'll see movement, and most bovine species, like even scrub bulls, actually they they're pretty good at seeing movement from a long way away. Yeah. But they sort of just because they're so big, they don't really have natural predators as such. It's yep. it's more um, they see movement and they're sort of curious as to what it is. But the second they get that that wind and your human scent, they're gone. Like even yeah. if they've never smelt humans before, I think they've just got that like innate instinct where it says like this is wrong. It's not like we don't yeah. we should shouldn't be here. Um, but it, speaking about sort of like natural predators, we one of the coolest things we would have seen. Um, out there was on the first afternoon we heard this sort of ruckus in the big dry creek bed and there was this little buff sort of screaming its head off and we had never heard this noise yeah. it was pretty pretty crazy have you ever called them in like that? Yeah. you can oh, call like them in yeah. yeah it was sort of yeah. like that but this was like more of a prolonged scream yeah. <laughs> like what is that? Like. Like, <laughs> we had a bull at 20 metres and it started like really like Get getting aggressive and we were yeah. like shit like it didn't know we were there but it was just like agitated yeah and um sure enough it ran down to where the cows were and they were trying to form like a, a ring around this calf yeah um and there was about three or four wild dogs like good sized dogs or dingoes yeah um trying to grab it and stuff and yep. it was doing laps like it'd run 100 meters and that's what the dogs wanted was to separate it from the cows yeah, yeah. and then in this moment of chaos they'd try and grab its neck one would try and grab its tail and like swing off it and stuff and it was pretty cool to see yeah that's neat and this is all inside like 100 metres and we just sat back and sort of watched it yep and then the cows would sort of be like oh shit we've got to be there and the bull would run in and sort of <laughs> create like a laneway through the scrub <laughs> just clear everything and clear the dogs off the calf yeah right and then surround it again and for like 10 minutes it'd be a stalemate yep. and then yeah it just sort yeah. of Push the it dogs and get in on the car. It's like like wolves on elk and that's right. Yeah, yeah. wolves on yeah. That'd have been like stuff. Yeah, epic like, to see your filming or anything. Yeah, we, we have bits. a little bit yeah. of footage, yeah. but yeah, it was nice. the grass because it was coming into June, July. They yeah. just had their wet season. It was drying off. The grass yep. was pretty high. Yeah, um, like the, that's the thing. Like the the baby calf was only probably like two and a half foot, three yeah. foot high. Like it's only it'd be less than a month old, like pretty yep. newborn. Um, but yeah, it just kept breaking away from mm, them. Like the 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 especially the cows kept trying to form that sort of protective yeah. circle and the um yeah the calf is just like nah <laughs> start screaming again <laughs> well it's freaking uh, out it's got dogs yeah, yeah. Off it and stuff dingoes and that would have been neat and just see. going yeah yeah and That's obviously cool. the dingoes know like what to do like they're regularly hunting the buff there yep. so like you know you'd see one or two like try and start pushing them pushing the mob like off the calf yeah and then at the same time one or two is trying to actually get in on the calf to like make it break sort of yeah. thing like that yep yeah you know like they're obviously doing it a lot like they'd be yeah. laying food source, food source up there as well as you know roos and can yeah. uh, pigs and all that yeah and, so and like where we were hunting was this sort of dry escarpment country so i think um, the traditional owner that we were with actually told us that a lot of the pigs had sort of been eaten out by the dingoes. Yeah, right. Um, that they were preying pretty heavily on them because normally in some areas like up here in North Queensland, it's they eat a lot of roos and things like that, mm. wallabies. Um, but the pigs, because they can't get to the swamps where they're a bit safer and have yeah. more sort of leverage, um, a lot of the piglets just get cleaned up. So we didn't see too many pigs actually. It, but then 
because there was like less of a food source around, they were eating the buffalo, which you'd yeah. think they'd probably stick away from just with that danger of the horns and stuff and yeah. being big animals, but they were pretty desperate, but it did seem like they had it. Yeah. Late dry out. season's pretty savage. Hey? Like you see some pretty cool shit then, like oh, when there's yeah. no pick around. Well, that's, everything's just on that water. Yeah. Like, you know, the la- like all the creeks drying up. Yeah. There's a couple of pools. It's sort of like, you know, when you see in Africa when like all the water's drying up and, yeah. and like all the herbivores are going into the water yeah. and the lions are just sitting there like, I know you're going to come to me eventually. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's like the crocodiles and the yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's it. It's like, why am I running after you? Like, you're just going to drop dead three feet from the water. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's the same over there. Like, when you see them, um, we've got friends there that hunt regularly. Yep. Um, you know, and, and they just send photos of, like, everything in condition, like, everything is conditioned in that sort of October and November yeah. before the wet, and you're just like... They're fucked, eh? Oh, it's like, yep. how are you walking around? It's like a skeleton with a bit of... Yeah, you, you see know, dingoes that you just think, like, you're dead, but you won't lay down. Yeah, like they're just—it's yeah, insane. It. I spent um about nearly six years up there. Oh wow! Um, I didn't do heaps. I did a little bit of sort of hunting with dogs yeah. for pigs for like two years, probably two or three years. And then I lost my main dog and sort of got right into the fishing. Yeah, and then yeah, it's yeah, hard to fish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's one of our yeah. yeah good mates is a barrow guide over there, and he is um, that. Ben Carroll. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's like one of our yeah real good mates. He's yeah, a legend. Shit. Like, he looked after me and I went over there and helped film like a little bit of a promo for his yep. uh, fishing and it was easy to film because like the action is just insane. Yeah. Like, you put a lure <laughs> in the water and it's yep. basically like a fish on but we were catching um, like as a bit of an introduction. I'd never caught a barra and a few of the other boys hadn't caught an NT barra. So. Yep. We'd um, gone over there and he's like, all right, we'll go and catch some rats, as he calls them. Anything yeah. that's like under a meter is a rat. <laughs> and he's like, we'll go catch these rats. So we're pulling like 50, 80 centimeter barra out in like a two hour session. Yep. Put them all back. And then he's like, all right, you boys are ready to go and catch some, you know, big the big fish. girls that we're after. Yep. And, you know, the next few days were just insane. Like he calls it like jungle warfare almost yeah. where you're in these yep. tight little creeks. He fishes just... a lot of places um, that are like, because it sounds like if we're fishing in runoff. Yeah, like yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so like March, yeah. So you're fishing like, um, I know most people should know what it is. Like floodplains flooding fresh water into the salt water systems, yeah, yeah. and coming out. And there's these little coastal creeks that only flood, sort of in that time of year. And you go and you push up, work out the tides, and you like you tie up to one side of the creek. I think I know exactly what creek you're talking (laughs) about. I'll talk to you about it after (laughs) the podcast. Um, I I I don't know him, but I know of him. Like I I know about his about what he does, and I've seen him heaps. I've been in the same creeks as him a heap of times and stuff. But yeah, that, that creek. That I think you're talking about is like <laughs> flipping the bird. As you go past, <laughs> yeah. like, Get out of my fucking creek! <laughs> yeah, that creek you're talking about is is basically that like thumb on spool. Oh, like and big was, fish in tight yeah, country, yeah. like two meters, three meters deep. Yeah, and what five, eight meters wide. Yeah, about that. It, yeah. Was, it was pretty like tight. <laughs> no, it was, no, no, it's not. No, it's not. <laughs> no, no different. Completely I'm pretty different. sure I'm onto the creek. Yeah. Eh? Um, Completely different creek. But yeah. it was insane seeing like. You know, and he would just like read the watercolor and you yep. know all this sort of stuff, and be like, "All right, get casting." Like we'd been yeah. casting the whole time, but he's like, "No, really, like target sort of those little cr- nooks and crannies." Yep. And then, sure enough, one of the boys pulled out like a meter five, which was his biggest fish by miles yep. and stuff. The other one caught like plenty of high nineties, and I'm just sitting there trying to film every cast and <laughs> catch all this like insane action. But yep. yeah, it was it was pretty insane sort of experience. How do you find the run and gun filming? At the time, I was pretty new to it because I'd never really filmed um, any anything fishing. Like it was yep. mainly all hunting, sort of growing up and wildlife. Yep. Um, so I was probably a little bit under-equipped, but looking f- like back at it now, it's like if I did gimbal or something like that, yeah. it'd mm. be insane. And like the action, sort of when it's that much action and action packed, yeah. it's sort of hard to like miss anything. Like you can yeah. be just filming, and it's pretty I, cool. Like I the emotion it, yeah, comes through. It definitely so. does. I find the hardest part when you get films like that where everything just works. Which is normally not the case when I film. Like yeah. as soon as you yeah. do like that um, curse of the camera, like you pull the camera out and then you just don't get fish. Oh, yeah. there was a lot of casts between like it's fucking and not getting man. anything. Yeah. But it was we were probably fortunate at times that the GoPro was running and yeah. stuff. So you would at least catch like yeah. the action and then quickly yeah. chuck your camera. You, you'd film there for like forty minutes of them just casting, yep. and they wouldn't get a bite. And then the second yeah, you, you put pull that out camera to down to get a drink of water or some shit. Exactly yeah. Bullshit, right. Man. And Ben kept being like, "No, grab your rod and have a cast." I'm like, Ben, I'm not missing <laughs> yeah. this one like hookup potentially yep. um so yeah yeah it was it was pretty cool though nah i um i was gonna say bloody oh no i was gonna say um when it's when the fishing or hunting whatever is good you forget to get the b-roll you need mm. 
like all the ambient shit. Yeah, for and sure. And then you get back and you check your footage and you got all this awesome stuff. Yeah. And then you got to go, oh, fuck, I've got to go back out to a similar location and like, film just birds and trees and, and shit. Yeah. 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 That's where the with hunting it's real difficult because you're almost got to film to edit and know sort of what the film, like as soon as you yeah. start getting a bit of footage you've got to sort of have in your head how this is going to pan out and sort of progress as a story and try yeah. and tell that storyline mm-hmm. um and then obviously doing that when you're under 30 meters from a deer potentially like mm. it's just there's so many added difficulties because yep. you're trying to like film and it's hard to get yeah. b-roll and jump out in front or to the yeah. side we've got two blokes there. walking in on a, on a deer or, or on a, on a anything, kill yeah. for, any, for anything okay yeah. yeah well that's like a lot of the time now it's like you've got we're trying to like generally it's just the two of us hunting and like yep. you know we're trying to imitate one person over the shoulder but then we've also got like two cameras set back like 50 meters yeah. behind us that we've both set up before we've even started that stalk and like one's covering the stalk in and then the other one's covering like what we think the deer or pig like where it's going to walk and then like half the time you look back at that camera and it's like walk perfectly but then it's taking two steps out of frame just as you yeah. shoot it and you're like <laughs> oh perfect like you know whereas if you had someone else there but then like if you had three people there, you know, it's infinitely yeah. harder again to actually get what you're trying to shoot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like it just adds that extra dimension. Um, Frankie's running the fuck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Lap dog. <laughs> um, yeah, it just adds that extra. Renny would have stopped patting him, so he would have been like, yeah. oh, next person. Back on you, Renny, mate. <laughs> um, oh, but it's certainly like, you know, I can't even tell you how many stalks we've p- blown purely from like, you know, the extra time that it takes in, um, you know, making sure you get that beer yeah. roll halfway through a stalk because you're like, oh, quick, stop, that looks sick and you quickly do it again. Whereas you, yeah. you, that's 10, 10 metres of stalking yeah. that you could have gained. And then yeah. plus like, oh, we need to capitalise right now because it's behind a bush, but you're like, you know, you're stuffing around being like, oh, is my lab mic on? And, like, yeah. you know, just yeah. like all that yeah. type of stuff. I find it's um, the same as, like very much the same as fishing. Oh, like you sure. don't get as many fish or as much fishing done mm. um, when you're filming. But well, think, they're both so instinctual, like especially with yeah. bow hunting, it's like, oh, the wind's good, I've got to move now. And like yep. you capitalise, you make that 20, 30 metres potentially in yep. a minute. Whereas sometimes you're sitting there like in the sun for three hours and you can't move because the deer's like aware. Yep. And it's a good time to get your B-roll, but it's midday sun. And then the second that sun starts dropping for the afternoon, the deer gets to its feet, He's sort of walking away. You've got to close the gap. Yeah. There's no time to sort of be like, hey, man, can you just run back and get that little yeah, clip? Sure. Like the golden lighting looks yeah. awesome. But, um, you know, we've like adapted and sort of learned a lot over the few, like the years. Yeah. But Yeah. Maximize um, B-roll when you can. And then, yeah. you know, like having a bit of a story and a bit of plan. And I think like the more you take the shots, like, the, yeah. you know, a lot of the time it's replicating similar shots and similar angles and you sort of think about new angles and new mm new place to put a camera and you know like yeah. all that type of stuff and it just I think it just becomes part of the process yeah like yep. um, have you seen much of, of sorry you're up I was going to say part of the flow state just <laughs> <laughs> it is though it is because like I feel like I haven't done any stalks or anything properly like I've hunted with rifles but never never really done much bow hunting shot them but never yeah. properly um, that that stalk like might take you what six eight hours oh. or something like that in the rest. <laughs> We're not even going to start telling stories yeah. about long yeah. stories. Um, like, but yeah. like, do you feel like it doesn't feel like that long? Oh, if it's, no. yeah. it's, it's literally, like, um, especially like up north here. We've been hunting chittle deer pretty regularly, and like I've just started the guiding business with it. But with chittle, I've got this process now, which is yep. we've been hunted them for nearly ten years, um, and it's sort of. Once you find them in the morning, it's normally really difficult to get in on them unless they like walk straight at you and it's a bit of an ambush situation. Um, But after that, it sort of becomes this waiting game where you're just waiting for the wind to pick up. Um, Like during the middle of the day, um, it sort of blows a lot more true from 10 till sort of 4 p.m. So you could be sitting off them within 100 metres for hours and hours and hours. And then the second that everything goes right and sort of the cattle move off and the deer bed and all this stuff happens, it's like, all right, instinct kicks in. Now I've got to make my move. Yep. And, yeah, that so hours... So you spend, like, the morning just finding, finding them, them oh, and, and they're working the out. We've, yeah. we've joked so many times, been like, why do we even, like, you know, this recent hunt, we'll get up at 4 a.m., um, like we were guiding two hunters. We'd be up at 4 a.m., mm. cook bacon and egg brekkie, have coffees ready. They'd wake up at 4.30. That we'd be finished and everything packed by 5 and we'd be on the road going yep. hunting, right? And then you'd hunt from like 5 and just say you find the deer at like 
you know, 7.30, <laughs> you then just sit off them. Like these guys were rifle under, so it was a bit easier. But like with the bow, generally we'd like sit off them at, you know, 200 or whatever um, for until, yeah, just say 10 o'clock where they've sort of bedded, re-change their bedding because they, they change as the shade shifts across shifts, the sky. Yeah. So, you know, they change their bedding again and then you're like, right, oh, perfect, this is my time, the wind's right, he's in a good spot, let's go in. Um, but we've so many times just been like, why don't we just get up at nine? Like, <laughs> why don't we just get up at 10? It like, just, the wind's going to be good, you yeah. know? Like, it's going to be hot as shit, but I mean, it's going to yeah. be hot as shit. I'm going to be out there anyway. Like, we know yeah. where they're probably... Like, we've hunted this place for 10 years now. Yeah. Like, we know where they're probably going to end up in bed anyway. It's just like, you know what would be nice? A sleep in. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Especially, like, doing, like, your, like consecutive days. Oh, like, well, that's it. It, like, it burns yeah. you out, hey? Like, and there's so many similarities I'm finding now that, like, talking to you and mm. um, sort of since I started sort of having a look right into the sort of Australian hunting scene in the last sort of 12 months, I suppose. Yeah. There's so many similarities with that and fishing because, like, fishing oh. is, same, is the same. You get up at, like, 3, 4 o'clock in the morning, you're on the water by daylight to catch a fucking bite window at 12 o'clock. Yeah. <laughs> like, what, for? Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. Um, but I then suppose. I feel like the whole, like, the shit with that dingoes on that buff calf, yeah. like, oh, you miss sure. out on that shit. For sure, yeah, And I definitely. feel like that adds to the whole, mm. like, I don't know, I watch a lot of, like, um, I've been watching a lot of, like, Meat Eater. Yeah. Um, like Stephen Ranella's yeah, stuff yeah. and I've read it <clears throat> I've read one of his books yeah. and I like his take on it yeah, a lot of sure. people like obviously you know like cop a lot of heat hunters cop yeah. a lot oh, of heat oh definitely yeah um, but I feel like if, like there's a right way to do it and mm. I feel like Stephen Ranella like, he paints the picture that's the best like, that's, yeah, that's he sells it to, to the audience like he 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 explains what yeah. a lot of hunters I guess struggle to say mm. and in the sense of it's like you know the kill is like the final product yeah. You know, and even then, like a lot of us now, there's an ever-shifting environment and that's, I guess, what we're sort of doing with that yeah. cooking stuff. But <clears throat> there's like an ever-shifting environment of like, you know, you, you kill something, whether it's a fish or like a yeah. rabbit or a deer or a buffalo and then like you take the meat afterwards and then yeah, you, you cherish that at home and you share it with your family and friends. Exactly. And like, you know, there's, you know, there's infinite process in prep, like researching, preparing your gear, getting yeah. fit, getting ready for the hunt, like planning these hunts. Yeah. You go out there, you spend all day, you know, yeah. for multiple days and then hopefully you, you get something at the end of it. Yeah. And then, you know, you really cherish and appreciate like, you know, if it's a trophy animal, you might put it on the wall. If it's a meat animal, like you're taking it home and you're going to cherish it, yep. you know, with family and friends, like, you know, in endless, endless roasts and, yeah. you know, and the meat's and like that. organic as oh, well. Oh, that's right. Too. Yeah, like, like it's not like some yeah. steroid ridden shit you buy from <laughs> well, the holes, right. yeah. subpar. And like I feel, because um, I've eaten a fair bit of game meat over yeah. the years, like if you don't eat game meat for a while mm. and you start eating like store-bought shit and then you go back to game meat, it's like yuck mm. yeah. until you start eating more game well, meat yeah, again. Just like, I think it's and a lot of that, um, I think it's just like how you cook it too. Like yeah. we, we like, yeah, we rarely buy red, red meat. Like yeah. we, we don't really buy it anymore because like I hunt for wild pork, like down in mm. South and Vic, like we were shooting goats and stuff. So we don't really need it lamb. Like we shoot a heap of deer. So we're getting the venison from that. Yep. Like do a bit of spear fishing now that we're back up in North Queensland. Yeah, yep. And we know people with boats sitting in the room. <laughs> um, so hopefully do a bit more spearing, but even then like doing a bit down there and stuff. Yep. Like, so we sort of had all the bases covered, I guess. Yep. Like, um, and I mean, you don't, yeah. Like, like there was a stage of seven months where I literally, the only thing I bought from the shops was chicken mm. because I didn't, like I had goat, had pork, like I had um, venison, like, yeah. you know, I was making all my own salamis, like minced yeah. all and stuff, like processed our and stuff. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so like you don't really need to. Yeah. yeah. I, I keep making fishing references, but it's exactly the same oh, for me for as sure. well. Like I don't yeah. buy fish Yeah. and I trade fish for shit like that. Like exactly. I do, That's, it's it's like, commodities. Yeah, like, it is. Hey. <laughs> it's like, it's like old you, school, like oh, primitive as fuck. Yeah, it's like, um, I'll kill you two kilos of snags if you give me a kilo of trout fillets. Yeah. Like, but that's, that's how it should be. Like that's, yeah. you know, like rather than going down to the shop, like that's, you know, a lot of rural, that's yeah. how rural communities still operate. It's like, yeah. oh, you know, you come help me fence and I'll like, you know, give yeah. you I feel like there's a lot of like, um, like good goodness in that too. Like actually like conversing with someone making trade, like oh, it's, it's primitive as shit. Yeah. I know I get right down and deep into that sort of stuff. Like well, I do relationships. Like, yeah. It's about networking and like, you know, friendship and it's yeah. more about like, and even then, like it's also about just connecting still, mm. with, you're still connecting with the yeah. food that you're eating. Like it's not just, mm -hmm. you know, oh yeah, cool. This is like some salmon that I bought mm. from the shop, which, you know, tastes great, but it's like, you know, I know exactly, like, you know, they can tell me the bomby that they shot that cold trout yeah. off. Like and the story behind me, it and shit, yeah. Yeah, they can tell me about the shitty day that they went cray diving yep. and got that cray. Like, yep. I can tell you about the deer that I made sausages out of. Like, yep. you know, like it's, it's that too. Like it's the, 
the story yeah. that comes by and the process and sort of the respect that comes yeah. through and the food. And ex- it's the experience of the whole thing. Like um, back on Stephen Miller's stuff, it's like he spends an hour, hour and a half long film and kills the thing at the end of it. Or the whole film goes and they don't get yeah. the shot. Yeah. yeah, that's what I was going to say is like tying it back And it's in. still worth, way worth oh. watching. It's almost better to watch that. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's where the to understand more. He yeah. portrays like his cooking is such a vital part. Is yep. which we've sort of made the shift recently with like our cooking stuff that we're doing. Is out of a hundred percent, one percent of our hunting sort of we love our hunting, but realistically we shoot yep. one deer one day out of a hundred. Yeah. And then for the rest of the 99 days, it's eating backstrap, eating the ribs, mm. eating you know the mints, eating yep. so as much as you can hun- pack out. Yeah, yeah oh, literally, much. like we yeah. Do you find that hard, just sidetracking a bit, but packing out in summer well, or oh, even yeah. winter like here, like it's it. fucking hot. Well, I carry, like, so my, the backpack that we, that I personally use all year round is designed for, like, very heavy backpacking. Like, it's got a titanium frame. Like, it's it cost me 1300 bucks. put it that way. So, um, the backpack that I use is designed for carrying heavy loads for backpack hunting. So, when I bought that for backpack hunting, but also for carrying out, like, a lot of meat. So... Um, whenever I do hunting, it depends how much bru- everything's bruised up and how much yeah. it's broken. But like generally, I'm taking out like both back legs, the ribs. I love the heart. I've started taking tongues because mm-hmm. I love eating tongue. Um, and then yeah, back straps. If the front legs aren't too yeah. banged up too, and then I'll take them out. And it depends. Like if it's a small, like you know, if I've shot like a 40, 50, 60 kilo like pig or goat or mm-hmm. like a, a doe, like you just carry the whole thing out in one go. Yeah. If I've carried. Um, if you shoot like a bigger chittle stag or like a buck or something yep. like that, you might bone it out in the field or you might, you know, carry it in sections. Yep. Um, but like, I mean, even now, like it depends on how big the properties are. You can get your car pretty close to, yeah. you know, you get your car a kilometre away. Like it's only a yeah. 15 minute walk. Like yep. boom, 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 it's boom. It's just, yeah, process. Like you, the second you f- fire that shot, whether it be bow, rifle, whatever, um, it's just the second that animal's down, you're trying to get the guts out as quick as possible. Yep. Um, and just processing that meat, like that mm-hmm. takes priority. Um, and then from there, the quickie sort of can do that and like get the, the hide and skin off, it, mm-hmm. get everything cooling down, especially up here in North Queensland yeah. where it's pretty hot and tropical sort of yep. throughout the year. Um, and then into like a cool room to hang, mm-hmm. all that sort of stuff. Um, like it's not going back to camp and then having a beer and yeah. the animals sitting the, in your backpack bloated. or the car. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. And yeah, then yeah. people say, oh, you know, like game meat, so, you know, it smells weird <laughs> and yeah, it's got a weird texture. It's yeah. like... You're no, not meant to cook the shit out of it either. Yeah, a lot of people cook the shit out of it. Exactly right. And then it's they wonder why it's beef, tough and dry. Oh, that's it. Because lean is shit. Well, that's, mm. oh, that's right. And that's like, just a basic principle. Like you, you shouldn't be cooking meat if you don't understand that. And, yeah. that's, and, that's, and that's, I guess, what we're trying to target. Like a lot of people um, just take the back straps and yeah. then they, they might take the back legs and they mince them. Yeah. You know, and it's or just dog like, meat or something. Or, yeah, like, that's it's even shit. worse. Like not worse. Like at least they're taking it and utilizing it. But like, you know, like I was saying before, like, man, tongue's awesome. And like, you know, heart's awesome. Like ribs are awesome. Like necks, like for slow cooking, front legs for slow cooking. Like, you know, like all that type of stuff. Like there's so much, you know, if I can get one person to take out one front leg, well, I've done my job. Yep. You know, if I can get one person to take out the heart and just take like a little bit of extra meat, they were just going to leave that. I mean, it's going to get utilized by foxes or wild dogs or dingoes or wedgies or whatever. Like it's going to get utilized. But like, you know, I'd rather you go home, cook it up for some fantastic you know, meal or cuisine for your family. Yep. And not only does it portray hunting in a great light because, you know, you can, might be sharing that with someone that's a non-hunter mm. and it allows you to have that discussion over a meal that sort of opens doors. Yep. You also, like you're taking more of a resource that, or taking away from a resource and making it more sustainable, like in yep. doing it, you know, like actually bow hunting or rifle hunting or whatever, or even spearfishing rather than just like buying it from the shops. Yeah. So... Yeah. Yeah, like I think there's a lot of benefits that comes out of from just like, you know, taking one extra. If everyone took one extra front leg, well, that's a yeah. lot of extra stuff that you can And it be doesn't in detract shops. from the experience. Like, no. yeah, it's a bit more hard work and stuff. Like, but, it'd be and, sort of a little bit sad at the end, I feel. Like, I've, I always feel like you feel for the animal a little bit. Oh, like, but sure. then you pay yeah. it. You respect. Take, you definitely like, you definitely take a moment, like, in, in paying respects for the animals that you hunt. Like, you, you know, it's. It, it, you've taken a life at the end of the day. Like it's not, it's not like as many, you know, we've killed quite a few things in our, in our hunting career. And like, it's still, you know, it, it's like it, yeah, that relationship with death obviously changes, yeah. but like you always but be it's, taking it's an animal. Natural. Yeah. Really. Oh, and that's oh, where sure. without a doubt, yeah. bow hunting or rifle hunting, spear fishing, fishing, 
um, any way that animal dies sort of ethically by human yeah. hand is so much nicer or more peaceful, like from yeah. what I've witnessed. Like if yep. I shoot something through the heart or lungs, it's got max 10 seconds before it expires. Like it yep. might move two steps, it might move 10 steps, depending on sort of if it's yeah. inspiring, expiring, whatever. But then you compare that to what you see in Africa in the Serengeti where... Yeah, you know, and what I've shit seen getting their ass chewed out. Like they're still dying. You know, that buffalo calf, like if it yeah. got caught, like do you think they're going to be like... They'd already oh, be eating you know, it while it was still alive. They're going to start yeah. eating it like it's, it's rump end or like it's arse end. I can say arse or, end. Man, I've got a rack of questions in my head. Well, or in the whole fucking bad. Sorry, keep going. You flip the coin and then it's an older animal and it's you know a dry season and it can't yep. get and its teeth are worn down it can't get that fresh pick yeah and it virtually starves to death yes, and, yeah so or gets stuck in a boggy water pit yeah. and it's just yeah i'll start on I'll, I'll go on that one first like the question um a lot of people push back and say um trophy hunting let's not talk african like lions and sh mm. dumb shit but let's, even then like we, yeah yeah keep going like sorry maybe not dumb shit um happy to be proven wrong but um like let's just talk like bull elk, yeah, big bucks. Like you know the meat, like the old, they're not gonna be like as tasty, yeah, stuff like that, or as good a meat. Um, but what what's your take on like people say? Oh, you, you're taking like a beautiful animal, like it's high in the genetic pool, like it's it's giving mm. really good DNA, mm. stuff like that. Or are you like like you know what I mean? Like um, yeah, I feel like I could I'm, answer it. Just yeah from what I've experienced yeah. recently with guiding is we're basically, like I'm getting people that pay to come up to North Queensland mm -hmm. from often Victoria, New South Wales, around Australia. I get international inquiries and their goal without doubt is to come up and experience the countryside. Mm. But at the end of the day, like they are paying for this beautiful sort of animal with yep. antlers, most likely to go on the wall. Yep. And that doesn't necessarily, and yeah, that I consider them, them a trophy hunter. I consider myself a trophy hunter, yep. but that doesn't mean that I can't be a meat hunter, someone that yeah. loves wildlife, respects wildlife. Like the amount of footage I've got of, you know, snakes or kookaburras eating snakes, mm -hmm. um, kangaroos drinking from dams, just all this random stuff that I'd never see from sitting back mm -hmm. in the couch and sort of not participating They're the, ma in they're the main people that give their opinions, those mm. kind of people oh, anyway. But, yeah. That meat is literally, if most people take it home with them, yep. if not, it comes back with me. Mm. So every bit of, you know, meat yep. is utilised. And then I live off it. And for anyone saying that, you know, an old chittle deer isn't going to eat well as whatever, it's like I beg to differ because I live off it three yeah, hours. It's not going to be terrible. It's like, come hang out with us. No, I bet prepare it. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's like, it comes it's, back to it's like meat prep. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. I've shot like rutted up red deer and bucks and stuff in the right. And like a lot of the smell is actually in the cape. So once yeah. you, like, because they piss on themselves, literally. Yeah. Like, it's like, hey, I'm the so big dog. Bulls, like, so do bulls, so do cows, you know, like, like, so well, do Like, yeah. so do... Yeah, Pigs yeah, piss so on themselves and roll in it. That's yeah. right, yeah. yeah. Like, you know, so, like, it's all about the process. Like, yep. it's all about... So, like, is if you can cape them and not get actual hair, like, because it's the hair yeah. that stinks. So if you, if you can be, like, sterile and not get hair on the meat, which you should aim to do anyway, because yeah. then you don't get, like, bacterial translocation. Let it breathe. Like, yeah. don't like, chuck yeah, it in sweaty pack. And even this sort of stuff. Yeah, like, and then... You know, if it is like I like I shot um, one buck that was like I did all the right things, and it still tasted like it wasn't rutty. It was more just gamey. Gamey, yeah. And I was like, cool. And I was just like, there's 30 kilos of sausages. Yeah. Like you know, there's like, always something you can do. There's with always it. you know, like and or I could have been like, oh, there's salami, yeah. or there's like you know, put it with hamburgers, or put it like you know, you, yeah. you probably got to do more work with it. Like certainly, like yeah. you can't just cook it up with a backstrap, and like yeah. it's not going to be something that I'm going to give to someone as an introductory. But for me, like I was like, no, it's yeah. like you know, once I'd turn it into like you know, yep. fennel and um, chili sausages. Like I'd yeah. be wine up to get them. And sort um, of coming back to the question a little bit where like, so what, in my opinion anyway, I'm not like an argumentative sort of person, but no, if but someone goes out and table. does it yeah. as a trophy hunter and their hmm. mission is to sort of get that old animal at the end of its life and something that they can put on the wall and tell their kids about. And they, yep. for me, the only thing is as long as they do it legally and respectfully and ethically, yeah. that's, that's all that yeah, matters yeah. for me. And like... In my opinion, that involves taking the meat. Like there's people out yeah. there that don't, but as long as like that sort of is done legally and ethically and all that, like yeah. for me it's why not take the meat? It just adds to that full circle sort of approach of it all. Well, like, there's no reason not to. Exactly You've done all right. that work, spent your whole day, two days, three Unless days. Unless you're like allergic to the meat and you literally can't harvest yeah. it. But, but, there's I, that but you can give people, it to somebody. There's but that I, yeah. many well, people that I know that vegetarian hunters that take meat. Like that was to, to give. To give yeah. to people. Like, yeah. yeah. So I know vegetarian and vegan hunters that... Um, actually, yeah, it will still butcher out an animal and take 
you know, meet back and give it to family and friends because there's yep. people that want it out there. Yeah. Like, but um, I guess with like the other side of trophy hunting, I guess with the comment before yeah. about like- What animal, about, I'll, I'll add a bit more context. Like, um, I mean, taking an old whatever, yeah. buck, just say. Yeah. Or letting it live and continue to contribute to the gene pool because it's obviously so, got good genes because it's that old and big, versus um, versus taking that animal yeah. and and instead or or targeting younger smaller so animals. Like in terms of oh, yeah, sorry, so you're yeah. right. You're right. I was just going to make an example, and I can't remember the name of them. Those big white rams in Alaska. Like that, Dale sheep. That's him. That's oh, him. Right. Yeah, that you get like like there's only like a handful of permits. Yeah, yeah. Given out a year. Yeah. And they've got to have a certain full curl, full curl on the horns, or like eight rings. Or That's like, where yeah, like growth rings. America is ahead of us in Australia. Oh, like, where yeah. I feel like Alaska's conservation, well, everything is really hot. Backed US. by science, yeah, no emotion. Yeah. It's backed by a biologist yeah. in the field saying, "Yeah, we've got this many yeah. surplus rams that need to be taken. Let's generate profit to then go back into conservation." Yeah, yeah. Then managing, yeah, yeah. But, like but obviously, in terms of um, the question regarding yeah. genetics, so like, so. I'm a veterinarian, so like in gar in in, oh, yeah. in yeah. So in terms of this is helpful. Um, <laughs> you're like my dog's been itchy for weeks. <laughs> I've been itchy for weeks. Not, I mean, not I don't just not just about. a dog. Yeah. <laughs> Jump up the spot like, quick. Uh, it's like we'll tackle hey, that one hey, after. Um, but yeah, no, like so in terms of like we manage. So I do a lot of cattle work. So we're managing genetics constantly yep. in herds, right? So one of the like you know one of the slowest ways of introducing like. Population, so like for like population genetics moves at a very slow rate. Like it, we're mm -hmm. constantly, get, it's constantly improving, but like you're seeing very slow progressions. Like, you know, a farmer's lifestyle, a lifetime of work, just say 40, 50 years, they might get only like two or 3% better in her genetics yep. in that time, just through natural selection, right? And these natural selections, um, like they intervene by doing like artificial insemination and embryo mm -hmm. transfer and all that type of stuff, trying to rapidly improve genetics because they're they're stealing the best semen from like you know the US and bringing it here and then yep. putting it in their cows and that's how you see rapid progression, right? Yep. But in terms of animals out in the wild, like they don't get that. They're only getting that you know the herd natural selection that's going on. So mm -hmm. it's happening at a very slow rate, but it's still happening. That if you imagine like you know you've got a buck that you tore an elk or you know a chittle deer yep. that's six or seven years old, right? So it's at its prime, its life. Physically, yep. Um, and so what it's done is it's actually been passing on. Just say at four years old, it starts breeding. Mm -hmm. Right. What's going to happen is it's going to breed at four. It's going to breed at five. It's going to breed at six. It's going to breed at seven, and then eventually it goes over its peak and it starts going backwards. Yep. Right. But it started breeding for four or five, six years old. So just say its contributions to the genetic pool is zero point zero one percent better than its dad. So what's actually happened is your by shooting that buck rather than a two-year-old for me, at, 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 at a depreciating age, is yeah. what you're saying? Yeah. Or like, or just yeah, shooting him like in his prime, yeah. even in his prime, right? Yeah. Like rather than shooting that buck instead of a two-year-old, because that two-year-old's actually oh, that's right. That just slapped him. I've had enough. You're getting serious. There's <laughs> <laughs> hand gestures going around everywhere. Yeah. So that two-year-old, just say he's his son, he's actually zero point zero zero one better than his yep. dad, right? And so in shooting. Like you're better off shooting, if you want to improve genetics, you're better off shooting that six-year-old than shooting a two-year-old, right? Because you're going to be progressing the herd. Mm. But like if you want to progress in hunting, like the, you're better off actually shooting like shooting older animals but then also culling selectively. So like culling for traits, whether it be, you know, antler formation or, um, you know, like... How do you know that's the right thing for the species. It's hard to do that. It's and hard, that's yeah. where like, I think as hunters, we should probably be taking out more hinds too. Yeah. Because like more hinds or females. Yeah, okay, does, yep. Sorry, because... You, sorry, I'm not savvy with that just, <laughs> yeah. A lot of people, yeah. especially you see it like up here where people are guiding flat out. So I'm often, we'll shoot one stag and a hind and that's trying to keep that 50-50 yep. balance. Yep. And what, they're both great for meat. Yeah. And one's a trophy, one's more of a trophy for the hunter, mm -hmm. and, but one's also managing that population so yep. that... You know, we're not getting too many where the farmer goes, all right, let's get a helicopter in and we'll, you know, get rid of them completely. Yep. And that's complete wheat, uh, meat yeah. wastage. They're not going to come back to that. Um, yeah. And that's what I was trying to get with the, where I started with it was that exact sort of yeah. take on it. Okay. Because um, I was going to say with females, people forget that that's a mouth to feed. And mm. then the more females there are, the more young males that can be breeding because they don't have to fight for that right yeah. to breed yep. her. 
Whereas if everyone's just shooting older stags, it's like it's great because you are contributing to sort of you know you, they've they've had their reproductive sort of stage. They're falling off the edge of that curve where mm-hmm. they're now going to sort of either fight and get killed. They're going to starve, not survive a winter yep. in Alaska or whatever. There are those factors, but it is also sort of selecting for a very small percent of that population. Like stags, old mature stags make up a tiny percent compared to hinds or females of any age. Yeah. And that's where I think as hunters, we've probably got to start, you know, trying like natural mm. in the wild, it's generally 50-50, like in terms of male, female being born on, on yep. the ground. And then you can see in altered areas where there are a lot more Males, yeah. Uh, so a yeah. lot more females than males, just yeah. because yep. we're selecting for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with but. higher hunting pressure. Like you know, if you imagine that you've only got, to say you've got fifty deer and there's twenty five bucks or stags and there's yeah, that's, my, that's my bad. I should have been saying. Oh, there's bucks. Like fellow, there's fellow yeah. bucks and yeah. you know. But there's just say there's twenty five stags and twenty five does. Mm-hmm. We just say if every year, like naturally five die every year, right? Bucks like stags and does. Yep. But just say every on top of that, every year you're shooting three stags, like trophy stags to say off your property. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, after five years, you've killed an extra 15%. So you've killed, uh, sorry, 15 animals that are the males. So like you end up with a proportion where you probably have about 15 stags and 35 yep. females because they're always going to meet that nutritional quota yeah. of like, you know, if you can support 50 animals in the land, they'll have 50 animals, mm-hmm. right? If it's, you know, and then if it's drought, it might drop back and whatnot. But what ends up happening is in terms of like genetics, well, you've got 15 bucks or stags and now you've got 35 does. Mm -hmm. Instead of it, if it was one to one, the stags have to fight more to actually breed that female. Whereas if you've got to say a two to one or a three to one, the genetics, like you might have inferior animals, whether it be physically or their their horns are worse or whatever that that selective factor is at the time, like often... In the animal kingdom, obviously, it's going to be like ability to survive. Yeah. So their ability to survive and thrive might be inferior to another one, but there's hinds just or does or whatever. Like, yeah. You know, there's, yep. there's ewes just sitting there. And so they breed. And so that natural selection actually occurs at a, a really like a lot slower rate. Yeah. And, you, and you start seeing herds or mobs or, you know, areas that actually have really poor genetics and they'll carry traits of crappy animals, like not only um, physical traits, but also like antler traits as well of animals just, and that's purely because the ratios are out and people have been selectively culling, or not, sorry, not selectively culling, like selectively hunting Hunting, more males. And they're sort of like, oh, if I keep the females, then, you know, I'll attract more males and stuff, which is, it's sort of, those males come back there because that's what they do. Like it's not, it's not the case. Well, you look at commercial roost shooting, you basically don't shoot those. Mm. People do shoot big ones sometimes. Um, back when the market was quite good as shit now. But, um, yeah, like bucks, mm. pretty much flat out and everything from 16 kilos to 40 kilos dressed out. Um, so that makes, yeah, like that's just got my mind ticking because I never thought of it from that way either. Yeah. Yeah, which is really cool. It's mm. We got asked actually recently because we've just come back from a guided hunt where we had a few hunters and they were asking, you know, about the genetics and all this sort of stuff. Yep. But then there's definitely... Um, like so many other factors. So nutrition is probably equally as big as genetics. Oh, mm-hmm. sure. If you're on a property that has poor soil or poor yeah. pastures or whatever, High those grazing. animals are never going to meet their genetic yeah. potential. Same as if you've got too many animals and it's overstocked. Yeah. Well, they're mixing yeah. with cattle and they're also exactly like right. So I was meant to be six foot ten. I just wasn't I think, fed right. Yeah, I think we sort of like <laughs> and, and built like a bodybuilder. <laughs> yeah. I just yeah. I so think, like it's without surveying it. Oh, to we don't know in-depth level. Like nah. it's hard to make that. And that's oh, where sure. in Australia we don't have enough bo- wildlife biologists, especially because but, they're most of well all deer in Australia yeah. are introduced and feral. We don't have that funding yeah. where they're our yeah. whitetail as such. Yeah, in America. you'd have to have people studying, like well, there is there is ag- like grazing as well, like yeah. commercial like grazing starting, as like well. There's someone that. that's doing a study up here with chittle deer that's about to get released, but there's. Yep. Like there is biologists starting, like they're looking at samba deer in like the Alpine National mm. Park and the effects on that because they've done some severe culling, you know, um, fallow deer and reds down in the Hunter Valley because yep. like I guess whenever deer numbers get out of control, like the DPI want to go in there and sort of survey shoot, and shoot see. Well, they want to shoot the shit yeah. out of everything, but they want to, it's, it's not actually that Oh, I know what either. you mean, like surveys, like yeah. Yeah, they want to do surveys to like see, like they've, they've done one on tar. What shrubs are they eating? Yeah, what's like, their what range they, like, of what's the actual stag? effect? And like, but also like what's ca- carrying capacity? Like, you know, there's, there's, it's good seeing like 
300 of whatever you're trying to shoot. Mm. Like everyone loves that. But it's also like you got to think about it. Like it's not sustainable and it's not good for the environment either. And if you're trying to shoot a trophy animal, well, wouldn't you be better off having 100 animals and there being a surplus food for those animals? So yep. your, whatever your animal, like whatever your stag is, that's going to meet its nutritional potential. And plus it's going to have like, you know, as soon as that fawn hits the ground, like they've done studies in the US where if there's good feed on the ground, when that fawn hits the ground, whether it's a male or a female, like it's going to grow more and And in utero? Yeah. If yeah, if for the later female, on in life. Well, like, pregnant has yep. access to really good feed that fawns before it's even born has like such a greater yeah. increase. Well, it's no different to like human mothers oh, that's like right. eating yeah. properly yeah. for breast milk. Yeah. Oh, for no, sure. If you're smoking and drinking, yeah. baby's going to be, you know, not yeah. as healthy probably. Yeah. Most likely. Uh, I'm you, studying. Oh, yeah? No. So <laughs> vet, as a vet too? Yeah, yeah. nearly there. <laughs> so, he's got two years. Yeah, right. Um, so, let's... Actually, let's start tackling some of these questions because I feel like you're going to... No, what what questions? Oh, just before when you're like, oh, I've got a couple of oh, questions. Oh, I've got heaps. I've yeah. got heaps. I don't even know if we'll get to them all. But um, <laughs> one I do have is, while we're on the sort of semi-controversial topics. Um, I love it. Feral animals. Yeah. So deer, pigs, buff, all that sort of shit. What's your standpoint on that from a conservation perspective? And one example I wanted to throw in the mix is Hawaii, right? Hmm. The pigs on Hawaii, the local, the general I'm going on like a general vote. The local people, local Hawaiian people said the pigs have been there for as long as they've been there. So the pigs are local, mm-hmm. but they're introduced. Yeah, but yeah. Yeah, I am. Um, Do you know what I mean? I'm just throwing that as in, in as like a cog, a cog turner. So hit. For me, it's like they're here now. They're a resource. They're, I, yep. I, in my opinion. So you're like, you're like going, okay, it's been and done. It's happened. Yeah, yeah it's, but it's like it's for this reason though. Like you look at our northern territory, territory Coburg population of uh, Bangtang buffalo. Yeah, a uh, Bangtang, sorry, bovine yeah. species. Um, where they're from in like southeast sort of Asia. When he's having a fucking video conference. So where the Bangtang are from, yep. they're like I, I'm not. Don't quote me, but they're Indonesia? either in dan- endangered oh, or threatened. Like they're con- so yeah, as yeah. a species, they're sort of vulnerable. as a whole, like a global yeah. species. Whereas, so saying? Well, yeah, no, so yeah. here we've got a great like we've so, got surplus. They're yeah, shooting yeah. them, hunting, guiding for yep. them, but it's a managed sort of species, uh, sort Good. of population at the moment in Australia. By who? By traditional owners through there's people like NLC. there's um, like guides with leases and they pay the traditional owners. So it's like quotas for and shit. Yeah, exactly. For a feral and animal. they're expensive. Yeah. Oh, like, like, yeah. yeah, right. But without trophy fee sort of money, those deer would just get uh, those deer, those bangtang would just get wiped out by a chopper mm-hmm. because they're in Coburg National Park, which is, you know, like it's Australian yeah. land that is obviously vulnerable to this large heavy hoofed sort of bovine so there's no point having them there really because they are it's like we could have a black and white opinion of it and say yeah they're introduced get rid of them all do you think it's location specific well in this in australia i think so yeah but in this instance if we got rid of them all and then the population in southeast asia i think it might be indonesia had some disease go through there there's extinction of bangtang Whereas now we've got this hidden population in Australia that is economically viable. Yep. It's not really hurting anyone as such. Mm-hmm. It can be, and that's where it's not hurting anyone as such at the moment. It's giving the indigenous traditional owners income through mm-hmm. you know, running guides and safaris on their land. Those animals are being managed on the parkland. <coughs> <laughs> I thought it was a sneeze. Um, being managed on that park. And hunters are paying upwards of $10,000. Like some, mm. uh, we get US people coming yep. over to hunt them. And that's as a trophy, tradi- uh, sort of, <laughs> as a trophy hunt. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it sort of is maintaining this viable population of an animal that's, yeah, threatened back in their sort of, yeah, homeland. Makes and sense. It's so you look at what's it, going on yeah. with tar in New Zealand. Yeah, I think um, I think in terms of being like a feral animal, yeah, it's like I've I've spoken to people about it before, and it's. it's Do you quite think a, people don't look at it from the broader perspective, like in Australia? Talking, yeah, well, that's like, right. Like it's a yeah, it's. Do you think it's a like, prickly topic? Like you, like if someone like someone said to me that like if you could flick your, um you know like click your hands and get rid of all the feral pigs in Australia, would you do it? And I was like, well, probably not. Like, because I personally... Are you coming from a hunting perspective, though, yeah, when you say that's that? that's the thing. So that's the thing. Like, so I'm doing if, it from my personal see, bias. Would, right, so I'll yeah. give you an ultimatum. So say, I don't know, say there's the same species that are native and then there's all these feral species that are currently yeah. still here and they're basically the same animal. 
Mm. One See, loss. we're twins, yeah. and I differ on that opinion. If it, for so, pigs, I'd flick my fingers and go, "Yep, get rid of pigs from Australia." Okay. So what if? So there's say there's native. Let's go pig. So there's there's native species of pig. Yeah. There's a feral species of pig. Yeah. Regardless of conservation, sort of values like area specific conservation values, would you click your fingers and wipe the feral ones if you could? Without, we're if still giving competing you competing with the native ones and yeah. hindering that. Yeah, Probably. I would. Because it's yeah. sort of that's so you'd, where, you'd look at it from that way though. But that's yeah, yeah and that's you wouldn't just go. Oh, I want. I want. So my my thing for the pigs is I'm selfish because I, I really enjoy hunting pigs and yeah. I enjoy eating them and like enjoy being able to like go and get my own wild yeah. pork. Um, I think it's something that needs to be managed a lot better, and I think that like the populations in in some locations is way too high. Mm. But that's where like in terms of feral animals, like I think. Like I see and deal with, you know, on a daily basis, like hoofed animals in our domestic animal mm -hmm. industry, um, like of all the animals that we eat. And in my opinion, they do significantly more damage than our wild, like, you know, we're literally changing the landscape to manage yeah. um, agricultural systems. Yeah, we've done that for So, like, years, yeah. I, I think as long as we manage our wild feral yep. animal populations in a similar way, like I don't, I wouldn't that's necessarily... Where Personally, like I consider feral pigs to be a pest, whereas yep. I consider... So what makes them different to buff though? I was going to say, whereas I consider like deer as such to be like a game species that can be much more of like a resource. Yep. Just based on, from what I've seen, like pigs are vectors for a lot more diseases and things, mm -hmm. which our agriculture, like, so in my opinion, it's like, is our agriculture like economy, business going anywhere? No, cows will always be in Australia from now on. Yeah unless something drastic happens like yep. 100 years from now, whatever. But if it's out of deer and pigs, I'd much rather have deer. I think the bush can support deer in Australia a lot better than pigs. I oh, think yeah, they're sure. just a lot more sort of um, environmentally damaging. I don't think there's I as mean, much of an economic return. Yeah. Like this is me just thinking yeah, very yeah. critically. Yeah, that's I, I would, I'd, and that's where if I could, I'd be like, yeah, I think I would get rid of yep. pigs. So what yep. about buffalo though? Because they've got a, well, like, that's, so the buffalo, same like, if not more. Additionally, like just to chip in my last two, like I've, the thing I thought about as well though is like if we decide to click and eradicate all pigs from Australia, it's like at what stage? It's like, okay, we've now eliminated one feral animal from Australia. Where do you then it's start? Gonna well, it's, no, really it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen, but it's but like, where do you, you then could. draw the line? Like, yeah. now, I'm just now, trying to, I'm just trying just to get the cogs turning. Like, yeah, like, all of this is just like theoretical shit, yeah, and there's like, so many variables to buffalo. think of. You've just mentioned buffaloes, which obviously, you know, being a hoofed animal, like they have a lot of effects in yeah. the waterways in the NT and whatnot. It's yep. like, okay, do we then look at the buffalo? And then you go, okay, well, then you've got... Where does it stop? Then you go, okay, well, then we go rabbits. Yeah, so we're just having... We're imagining now we've got a magic wand that we can just put in these species. Yeah. yeah. But again, I'd probably click fingers and if you could get rid of rabbits, I'd be like, yep, no worries. But that's, this is all me personally. Yeah. Yeah. But but it's just, is that coming they from? They do compete. Like yeah. a deer doesn't compete as much with a bilby. Yeah. So you're coming Whereas, from a, like a. Conservation. For the greater good, you'd wipe pigs and rabbits, say. Or is it because you like, don't, you prefer hunting deer more no, than no, hunting pigs? I just pigs. think looking at where the sort of market is with, I'm a, like, passionate uh, environmentalist hunter mm -hmm. where I do hunt. Like there are some properties they say, you know, these deer are just damaging our property. Mm -hmm. Come and shoot them and literally be indiscriminate, kill everything. And we obviously take the meat, but it is like culling animals and removing them from that area because they're doing so much damage. Yep. Pigs, deer, buffalo, any feral animal does that, has yep. that potential. Foxes on chook pens, all this sort yep. of stuff. Whenever they're in impacting humans and us, mm. And it's economically like a bit of a burden. That's where it takes more importance. And that's where I think with feral pigs and more of like an agriculture, like selfishly, it's like, yeah, I love hunting feral pigs. Mm. But for the good of Australia and like our agricultural economy, it's like if, if, if this is all magical yeah, scenarios, yeah. but if you could get rid of feral pigs from Australia, I'd be like, yeah, that's a thing that I'd pretty pretty like confidently say, yeah, get rid of feral pigs. Yeah. Just because of how bad they can be for the environment. Yeah, and they're probably the main, they're, Whereas, they're probably the, like they're they're fucking rabbit. everywhere. Whereas deer, yeah. especially lately, like going back into that trophy hunting, there are, and this is like very specific for me because I'm a guide now, mm. where this property owner is one of very few in the district that 
historically up in North Queensland, out of Charters Towers, there's Chittle Deer um, traditional herd that has been there for nearly 140 years or something like mm-hmm. that. Like late 1800s, they were released. Yep. So that's like been there for a long time, not that much longer, uh, sorry, less than cattle and that. So yep. it's like when people start talking about culling all these animals, these property owners can earn yeah. an awesome income better than you know raising a steer yep. for four or five years and then selling that at the market, like through trophy and still fees contribute and hunting. to conservation in a general sense. Exa- and that's where I think as long as all these like um, populations are managed, and mm-hmm. that's what I'm doing now, and like what I'm a bit of a steward and caretaker of this property. F- but one of the stakeholders is the clients. They obviously mm-hmm. want to see mature animals. So that means yeah. I can't have everyone blasting away all these deer. But at the same time, the population increases. And the property owner goes to me, mate, we've got too many deer. This is a working cattle farm. We can't have this many. And I've got to go, all right, so that means I'm going to take some does out of the population, take the, the cull stags and things or the management Yeah, deer. so it's like an in-house it's, conservation It's literally effort, like so cattle. Effort. Like it's pretty sound, cool. It sounds yeah, you're trying bad. To manage, it's trying to manage yeah. a herd. Yeah, so and you're not just going out there with the sole purpose of hunting either. No, no, no oh, you're, you're, you're looking at sustainable. Big, yeah, you're looking like, at big picture shit. Like you're looking at your business ten years time. Yeah. And, and oh, it's not even a business. If there's been stations out there that, Historically, like they just got chopper shot recently, yeah. but have had you know, ten thousand deer more, or like and even now they're 2, all dead, deer. gone to waste, meat rotted, everything yeah, yeah. from a helicopter. Like, even two thousand deer, in in my opinion, is too many to have. Like even these are large properties of honey on like sixty thousand plus acres, yeah. but having two thousand deer on that property, in my opinion, is too many deer on that property because at the end of the day, it's a like agriculture, like it's a cattle property first. And we're guiding on it and getting a secondary income for the farmer mm-hmm. second. So like 2,000 deer, well, that's, you know, that's an extra, just say, 300 head of cattle that he could be running. Like, sure, you can manage 500 yeah. or 300. A lot of people down south do it with goats. Like, I'm from Charleville, like south well, of Queensland. Oh, yeah, right, yeah. Goats is like fucking big coin. Yeah, it's yeah. It's massive. Queensland's dust bowl. It's nearly 10 dollars hey, a kilo <laughs> for goat meat. Yeah. yeah. Which Probably. previously people were shooting, mustering them and shooting them, getting rid of them. Mm. And that's like, like where in some arid environments, goats are probably better off than cattle and sheep. So oh, it's like, sure. why not? Yeah. Like and that's where, unfortunately, think, they're think, here to well, stay. Yeah, but it's I, like, we're never going to fix that problem. With feral pigs, we could try and eradicate them. Yeah. And it's like cane toads. We tried, we introduced, <coughs> uh, with, with cane beetles, we yeah, tried, yeah. we introduced cane toads. And that's worse yep. than the initial problem. Same as, you know, like all this stuff that we we have stuffed up in the past. We try and fix it by doing this short-sighted sort of thing. Whereas mm. now it's like, in my opinion, and this is as a hunter, but someone who also loves deer in general and stuff, mm-hmm. I, I, I really and respect pigs. And, and it's like, there's some properties I've been to that run less cattle now because they charge hunters and have shares on the property for hunters yeah. to come up and camp. And mm-hmm. that they earn more money through drought times and whatever through hunting pigs than their cattle can turn over in a year. Yep. Through, so it's just. Well, I mean, feral, it's sort of like. Yeah, so you like. Where do you draw the line? Feral, Unfortunately, the silver lining sort of. Sort of everyone's going to be different. We're twins, and we had a different perspective on whether pigs yeah. should I, be. I feel like there. either so one, either way, of your opinions are like your conservation. Oh, there's no perspective right, is still I the think, same. You yeah, know what I was going to say. I think as long as yeah, as long as you can have a discussion, and that's even in regards to the trophy hunting, the whole debate of like hunting, fishing, all of it. Like, I feel yeah. like I'm happy to have a discussion with anyone that ever wants to talk to me about anything yeah. that I'm personally related to as long as it's a discussion. If yeah. someone like if someone's just going to sit there and, and blame me just like yeah. talk at me and be like yeah. oh I can't even talk. You're a bloody murderer. Um, then it's like you know like Your I just give up. Made up. Like, I just give up. Yeah. I'm like where if someone's like oh excuse me like you know especially with we get a lot of messages about the cooking side because it's like yeah. an in, like it like we we're going to get like, into that later too. A, <laughs> yeah. I'm a, I love cooking. Oh so do we like yeah. but um yeah like especially around the cooking side like in cooking wild game and yep. and all that type of stuff like we get so many messages like almost daily from people being like oh can you explain this and then you actually start talking about hunting and they're like god we just thought it was just something completely different yeah. you know and that's, like just that's where like I feel like he grows Grow as a person, mm. like I, th- I found, um, and I like just because like I come from a small country town, and like it's that's like when you're growing up, sort of that's sort of all that's there, and like a lot of people just are born there, grow up there, die there yeah. type thing, and then I've travelled heaps like over- overseas is a big one, um, and then a fair few places around Australia and lived in different places and stuff, and I feel like that's where you gather like you all grow. of these values and. I, I take a lot from like I, I think like Joe Rogan's one of the most one of the most inspirational people on earth. Well, he put it in the spotlight, like, yeah. and he, and he can talk yeah. openly about any topic, yeah, <clears throat> any, anything, like absolutely, absolutely anything. And he sits anything. he sits on the fence, 
and gets information from everywhere and then he makes his own opinion regardless yeah. of anything else. Yeah, and he, his and opinion is that, often eh? different to the person that's sitting next to him that he's mates with. Yeah. And it doesn't mean a single thing to him because everyone has that right to be, yeah. you know, an opinion is literally personal. It's yeah. yours, yours is different to mine, whose is different to my brother's. Yeah. It's, and that's why it's so yeah. sort of valuable and rich is because no one thinks the exact same as someone else. And yeah. as you said, Joe Rogan's just... It's refreshing, like, yeah. and he doesn't push anything on people. It's nah. just you know, even his his intros to his podcast, where he's like, "Hey, fuckers, <laughs> you know, I, I tried this and yeah. I liked it. Doesn't yeah. mean you have to, but if you do, check it out. Like, yeah. it's just yep. it's refreshing and it's cool. Like I love it. Some yeah. people probably get butt hurt and offended by it because that's yeah. the world at the moment. Yeah. But oh, like I think, what you were saying. I think the issue at the moment is a lot of people think that their opinion, like what I was saying before, it's like Uneducated it's opinions well, is what's the problem, say, a lot of thing, a, a lot of people think that their opinion is fact and then they sat, they would tell that to a, enough people and then all of a sudden, like in their mind, that's fact, fact. and they're 100% right. And like, if it's, ba- and that's the thing, like a lot of the time, because I'm like a vet, like it's, when I have discussions with people, it's like, I, ba- I try and base my conversations off science. Like I try and base it off factual things that I know. Like I'm not talking bullshit. Like I'm talking like true hard facts. Mm. And so like I want to have a conversation about stuff. But when people are pulling out random stuff that they think are facts, but it's just there. And I'm not. We don't even be talking about hunting. Like we could be talking. Oh, literally. But like we could be talking about like you know cloud formation. Like I don't really care. But like as long as you're telling telling me facts, like Mm -hmm. you've got my attention. But like when people start telling, um, yeah, opinions that they think are true because they're you know, mm. hairdresser told them when they were getting a blow wave. Yeah, that that's that's. <laughs> I only say that because my dad's a hairdresser. <laughs> Is he? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Dad. Shout out, shout out to Nico. That's uh, nice. Hairdressing. Uh, no, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but um, but yeah, cut so, color twenty five dollars. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! Oh. Run down there. No. Yeah. Um. Oh Jesus! Brought to you by. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> Twenty five dollars of the podcast <laughs> is <laughs> yeah, but um yeah, so like some of the stuff that he'll come back and tell me, I'll just be like, Dad, what are these people telling you? Like, yeah. you know, that is complete. I feel like bullshit. Like my like, my old man was the same. He mm. um he was exactly the same with that sort of shit. And I feel like it's for the better. It's slowly phasing out. Oh, for and sure. And I feel like because ignore COVID, but like more people are being able to travel now. More people want to travel, and more people want to do all this stuff. Mm. And I feel like. There's more. There's better ways of communicating with people from different locations and yeah. shit now, so you can get a broader perspective on stuff. I, that's what I think anyway. I feel yeah. like there's a lot less, unless I'm blind to it, because I just don't. <laughs> I just don't. I just entertain that shit anymore. Um, or yeah, I feel like it's it's definitely improved since the old days. I think a massive days. thing is like the circles you surround yourself with yep. are also your source of information, and mm-hmm. like we try and su- su- surround ourselves with, you know passionate people who like love being outdoors whether it's fishing spearing hunting photography whatever just like hiking all this sort of stuff so that's where a lot of our effort and information comes from and it just is easy like it it sort of flows naturally whereas that's what i'm trying to base this sort of brand or this company yeah it's culture on is that because like i can like you boys are a perfect example like haven't met you still today Mm. but we can sit and have like decent hearty conversations oh for sure um like i've known you for a while you know what i mean yeah, yeah. like i feel like every single time that that ha- like especially this podcast which is why the main reason why i do it is i get to connect with people that like there's a i don't know i can pick 10 people off my podcasts that i've done that i've just picked up and i felt like i've known for 10 years hmm. and um, that's all this is it's a just, conversation with yeah. people that are just like yeah we're interested about you you're interested about us and then it's just you know our hobbies and that have brought us here together yeah but now it's just like yeah general conversation, mm. you know, willingness to sort of learn, understand stuff that we don't. Yep. And yeah. Let's take a break. I've got <laughs> some more questions. All right. Bit, bit less controversial topics. I want to talk about some hunts and shit and some cool shit. And then I also want to talk about some of this, what's this cooking? Hungry Hunter. Yeah. Hungry Hunter. I want to, talk, I want to suss that and some cooking shit. Let's do that. Good.